Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? It is good to be with you here today. Hey, if this is your first time watching online or your first time at any one of our campuses, whether Garfield Park, Banta, Franklin, GP, or you said Garfield Park, get you twice there. Uh, we want to welcome you. If this is your first time here at Greenwood, we want to welcome you. Can we give it up for all of our first time guests and viewers? Thanks for tuning in. If this is not your first time, welcome back. We are actually wrapping up a series today called Walk by Faith. And before we jump into the final week of this series, uh, I just want to uh, talk briefly about how that last song has really been uh, working on my heart this, this whole entire weekend. Um, God, turn it around. And, and uh, last night uh, we were singing that song, and I had honestly not heard it before. That was my first time last night. And I was like, gosh, man, there's so many folks in my life that I know um, who, need, who need God. They need you to intervene and turn things around in their life. Whether that was in a relationship that they're in or they're battling uh, some sort of sickness um, or job situation and they just, they need your intervention. Maybe they're battling an addiction uh, and they really need you to turn things around. How many of you know someone that you need that God to turn things around in their life? Or maybe it's you. How about, yeah, you, we, we all do. All, uh, if you're watching somewhere online right now, I, you don't have to raise your hand because you're by yourself or maybe with your family. Um, but I was thinking particularly last night about uh, one of my dearest friends. His name is Dave Oaks, and uh, Dave has been an elder here at Emmanuel for so many years, uh, literally been part of the leadership team uh, since I've been the lead pastor here at Emmanuel, been the backbone um, of, of so many decisions. And, and uh, he has COVID-19, and he's in the ICU right now, and he's, uh, he's battling to, to get his breath and so um, I just want to pray for him really quick. You know, Dave is one of our elders. He's, he leads, the, our elder team is made up of five, five men, including myself. And, and we lead the church together in a group. And so I just want to go to the Lord and ask for his grace and mercy in Dave's life. I know there are other folks that are in the hospital right now, so I'm going to kind of include them. Maybe you know someone that's, that's struggling with COVID. And, and so will you pray with me really quick? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to intercede to come before you on behalf of others. There are folks here today at our campuses watching online. They need, they need you to turn things around for them. And so I pray that in your mercy and in your grace, you would meet us where we are, and that you would help us, that you would give us the assistance, the guidance, the wisdom, the healing that we need. I, I pray specifically right now for Dave and that you would intervene in his body right now, that you would heal his lungs, and that the doctors would know what, how to handle this so he can return to his family and continue to serve you and love you and, and be there for his kids and his grandkids. 
and his wife. And so I pray for your grace and mercy in Dave's life and, and all the other folks that we know of and our friends, perhaps even family members who are struggling with COVID all across the world. May you be gracious and merciful to them as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me pray for Dave at that time. We'll give you updates as we find out more information on Dave, uh, probably through uh, social media. And, and uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do that. But anyway, we'll try to let you know. So anyway, so today we are wrapping up our series uh, called Walk by Faith. And we started this series because we thought, man, it would be really encouraging given 2020 how hard it was. 2021 is not much better. We, maybe we can just kind of give you a surge of encouragement to build your faith to get through some of these difficult times. And so that's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks, and we've been focusing in on this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, which says we are to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, faith, if you've been coming for the last couple of weeks, is supposed to be this lifestyle. It's supposed to be our approach to life. It's, faith is supposed to be the thing that defines us or supposed to be the distinguishing factor of our lives. But there's a lot of confusion when it comes to faith. Some people think that faith is, is coming to church. I mean, I love coming to church, and I think everybody should come to church, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have faith. It's part of it, but maybe not all of it. Uh, some people think that having faith is, is knowing the Bible, reading the Bible, and knowing right beliefs or having right beliefs about God. Some people think that having faith is, you know, telling others about Jesus and, or inviting them to church or something like that, or putting a bumper sticker on the back of the car. Or the Emmanuel sticker, you know, or wearing the Emmanuel t-shirt. I've got faith. Look, I wear, I wear the t-shirt. The other day I was in the gym and, and uh, this guy was working out with an Emmanuel t-shirt on. And I was like, oh, man. And he's like ripped. This guy's like totally shredded. And I'm like, and he's got the sleeves cut off, you know, so his biceps are bulging. And, it's just, and he's got the E on his shirt. And I'm like, that is how you wear the shirt. Man, so I walk up to him and I'm like, nice shirt. And he's looking at me like he doesn't recognize me. I said, that's a, good, that's a nice shirt. And his buddy goes, oh, yeah, he, he, he doesn't go to Emmanuel. I was like, oh, he doesn't? I said, well, where'd you get the shirt? He said, oh, I got it at Goodwill. <laughs> so lame, so lame. Who gives their Emmanuel shirt to Goodwill anyway? I mean, I'm going to find out who you are. I mean, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, some people think they have faith for all these different reasons. And, 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 and what, <laughs> what we've said, what we've said is that faith, it's not necessarily that you don't have faith if you come to church or wear the t-shirt, the bumper sticker, or you know the Bible, or you read it a lot or whatever. It's just that those things don't necessarily mean that you have faith. What we've talked about in the series is, is a, a, a biblical definition of what faith is. This, is. this is what it is. If you've missed it the last couple of weeks, faith is confidence in the unseen reality of God's kingdom on earth. Like Jesus' message was not, hey, put your faith in me and then you can come to heaven when you die. Unfortunately, the gospel has been reduced to that message. That was not his message. His message was much deeper than that, much broader than that, much more meaningful than that. His message was, you can live with me right now. The kingdom of God has come to earth. I'm here. You can walk with me and live with me right now. You can experience abundant life and eternal life before you die. It's an amazing, 
idea. So we, when we say faith, we're having confidence in the unseen. Now, the reason why it's unseen is because Jesus went back to heaven and his Holy Spirit is now here and it's mostly unseen, the unseen reality of God's kingdom. But when Jesus was here, he did a bunch of miracles. He healed people. He gave pe- blind people their sight. He turned, you know, he, people who had diseases like leprosy, he healed their body. One time he raised a little girl from the dead. Why did he do these miracles? Why did he walk on water or turn water into wine? You want to know why he did that? It's very simple. To validate the reality that the supernatural has entered the natural. That's what, that's what the miracles were all about. And he wanted everyone to have confidence that, that there is this unseen supernatural power that has come down to earth and you can live in the midst of that right now. That is called the kingdom of the heavens and it has come near. And so faith is having this confidence in the unseen reality of God's activity on earth. And when we do that, life gets a lot easier. In week number one, we talked about how our problems don't overwhelm us. In week number two, we can focus on the right things, right? The unseen realities that are eternal instead of the seen things that are temporal. That was week two. And then last week, we talked about how our life takes on this, this God orientation. We, our whole life becomes centered on bringing a smile to his face. If you missed any of those, you can go back and check those out on YouTube. Today, I want to talk about one more implication or one more result or one more explanation of what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to take a break from 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. We're actually going to look at the book of Genesis. We're going to look at the book of Hebrews, and we're going to look at the book of Romans. For most of the talk today, we're going to be bouncing around to several different passages because I want to study the life of a guy named Abraham. Everybody know who Abraham is? Have you heard of Abraham? He is a top dog in the Bible. He is an absolute stud in the Bible. And what we're going to learn from Abraham about faith is real simple. In your notes, I wrote it like this. This is what it looks like to walk by faith, but not by sight. We're going to trust what God says. That's what Abraham did. That's all he did. He trusted what God says. You know, Abraham was such a stud that he is mentioned and talked about in 27 out of the 66 books of the Bible. There are, I don't know if you knew that or not, but there's 66 from Genesis to Revelation. There's 66 different books that make up the entire Bible. Can you imagine living in such a way that your name is mentioned in almost half of the books of the entire Bible? Like, what would you have to do? What kind of life would you have to live to be mentioned 20 in 27 out of the 66 books? I mean, this guy was a stud. Okay, his name in the Bible is mentioned 294 times. There are only five other people in the Bible whose names are mentioned more. It's like Jesus, Moses, and I forgot the other three, but, 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 he's, but he's number six. He's number six. He is up there. He is, Abraham is the man. In fact, 2,000 years after Abraham lived, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote about him in Romans chapter 4. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Now, let me, let me just let you know what that means. If you have faith in Jesus today, it's because Abraham had faith in God. In other words, if Abraham did not have faith in God or did not trust what God had to say, you would never have faith in Jesus today. No Abraham, no you. How about that? That's pretty important, right? Is Abraham a stud or not? So we have to look at what this guy did in order to understand what faith actually looks like. He's the father of all who have faith, like I have faith in Jesus today and you have faith in Jesus today because of Abraham? Yes. So let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis. This will take a little bit. It's okay. We got some time. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 15, 17, and then 22. Let's start in Genesis chapter 12. 
In Genesis 12, Abraham's just a normal guy. He's lived his life, doesn't have any kids. He's married. He's been somewhat successful. It's okay. He's living a normal life. He happens to be a descendant of Noah. That's pretty cool, but really we're all descendants of Noah, so... How cool is that? But uh, anyway, another story for another day. And, and he's just an average guy. He's kind of living his life. All of a sudden, God shows up. Watch what God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Watch this. I will make you into a, say it with me, a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who watch this treat you with contempt and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you how nice how interesting you're just living your life going through your life you happen to be oh did I not mention this 75 years old that's how old he was Genesis chapter 12. And God says, I got a plan for your life. You ready? Now, normally this happens when you're in your 20s, you know, when you're young. It's like, oh, I'm going to have big dreams for my life. I'm going to accomplish something. Nope, 75. Abraham, we're about to get started. (laughs) We're going to make you into a great nation. Leave your family. Leave your your relatives. We're going to, like, start all over. You're going to be famous. And all the families on the entire face of the planet will be blessed through you. Now, have you ever been in a situation where God has told you something, maybe through a preacher's voice, or maybe through the Bible as you're reading it, or maybe a friend communicates to you and you can hear God speaking to you through that friend? You ever been there? And, 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 or maybe it's a, a, a prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of you and you kind of feel God, God speaking to you and he tells you something, and, he, and, and what he's told you is something difficult. And what he's told you is something hard. And what this person has said, uh, God has spoken through you through this person or, or maybe through the Holy Spirit is something that doesn't make much sense. Ever been there? Anybody besides me? And you're like, I hear you, God, but what? You want me to do what? You're gonna do what with my life? You want me to do what now? That doesn't make sense sense. God, so I'm a teenager and, 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 and you want me to wait until marriage to have sex? What? Right? You ever been there? You know, and God communicates to you and you're, or maybe, or maybe you're in a sermon or in a series on money. Everybody likes sermon series on money, don't we? And the, and the Bible comes out and Malachi chapter three, the text comes out and it says, I want you to give 10% of all that you make back to the local church for the furtherance of the gospel. And you hear God speak the, 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 the tithing commitment and you're like, okay, I hear you, but huh, what? 10%? Are you crazy? We all come into moments like that where we hear God communicate to us. Like, I want you to move out of this relationship. It's a toxic relationship for you. Well, okay, but that, that would mean that I'm single. What? I don't, what am I going to do now? How's that going to, here's, here's, here's the thought we have, ready? How's that going to work out? That doesn't make sense to me. And that is exactly where Abraham is in this moment. He hears God say, I'm going to make you a great nation. Hey, buddy, you're going to be famous. And everybody on earth is going to be blessed through you. Wow, that sounds interesting. How is that going 
to work out. Now, a lot of times when we hear God speak to us or through a friend or through the scriptures or through a sermon, we hear it and we're like, yeah, that's good. I hear God speaking, but I'm not doing it because I don't know how that works. Now, aren't you glad that, that, that Abraham didn't make that decision? In fact, if he would have made the decision that you and I would have probably made in that moment, we would not have faith in Jesus today. See, in the face of this very confusing, very difficult idea that God portrays to Abraham, Abraham chooses to believe and he he leaves his land, he leaves his relative and he obeys God. Listen to how the author of Hebrews explains it. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Listen, he went without knowing where he was going. This is where we struggle to trust God. It's like, wait a second, God, I hear you, but I need more information. Can you give me a little? Because I don't know how this is going to work. And unless you reveal to me how it's going to work, I'm not leaving this girl. She's my girlfriend. (laughs) I'm not leaving this job. I don't have another job lined up. Like, if you give me some more information, then maybe I will trust you. But until then, I'm staying right where I am. Aren't you glad Abraham didn't make that decision? Aren't you glad that he trusted God and he left his land and he put his faith in Jesus? He put his faith in God. I am. Because if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here. So fast forward, Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis 15. He leaves his land, he's on his way, and, and, and uh, we don't know how much time has gone by, maybe, maybe five years, maybe six years, we're not sure because it doesn't exactly say, but some time has passed. God shows up again in Genesis chapter 15 says, hey, Moses, uh, Moses. <laughs> Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be famous. I'm going to make my covenant with you. You're going to be you're going to be a great man. And Abraham's like, "Okay, yeah, that's good. I believe you. I trust you. Um, but I don't have any kids. How can you bless me without a son, without a child?" And God's like, "Come on outside." So he goes outside. He says, "Look up in the sky. Count the stars if you can." So Abraham goes outside. He looks up. He must have seen something like this. This is a picture of the stars without all the light pollution and all the air pollution, all that stuff. And literally, Abraham looks up and he sees millions upon millions upon millions of stars. To which he must have thought, okay, all these, this, this, is, this is the amount of descendants I will have. That's exactly what God says. Count them if you can, because this is how many descendants are going to come from your body. From you and your wife, Sarai. At that time, her name was called Sarai. To which, again, Abraham's hearing this, and he's like, okay, I got this choice to make. What am I going to do? I I hear you. I don't have a son. I have to trust you. And he does. He does. And in verse 6 of chapter 15, this is what we read. Watch these. Watch this. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his, say it with me, his faith. So even when it didn't make sense, he doesn't have a son. God says, you're going to have that many descendants. 
He trusts him. And because he trusts God, what God had to say, he was counted as righteous. This verse right here is so critical for our New Testament understanding of salvation. Because Paul would pick up on this theme and say, you know what? A person is not made right because of how good they are or how much they obey the law or how much they go to church or how, you know, how nice they are, how much money they give. No, no, no. In your notes, I wrote it like this. This is the doctrine we get from Abraham. Faith makes us right with God. Paul would go on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's not of works of righteousness, so that no one can brag. No one can boast about knowing God because it's a total free gift and it's received by faith. We are made right with God by faith. This is important to understand because we look at some of these Bible characters like Abraham and Moses and we think, oh, I can never be like them. Well, guess what? Yes, you can. Did you know that Abraham was kind of a disaster in a lot of ways? Did you, did you know that? Have you read this story? Like on his journeys of trying to trust God and obey God along the way, he meets these two kings. One's Pharaoh and another one's name Abimelech. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 20. And He's so afraid that Pharaoh's going to kill him and take his wife, Sarai. That's because evidently that's what you did back then. When you saw a pretty woman, you killed her husband, you took her. I don't know. But he's so afraid that Pharaoh's going to kill him and take Sarai that he lies to Pharaoh and he asks his wife to say, hey, could you just tell, her, tell him that you're my sister so that, it, so that he doesn't kill me? So sure enough, Sarah does it. And she goes in to be Pharaoh's wife. It's a whole big disaster, and God has to intervene and say, Pharaoh, let her go, or else I'm going to kill you. And so Pharaoh lets her go, and then he does it again with another king. Like, Abraham is totally like you and me. He, he has these moments of incredible faith and then has these moments of failure. In fact, at one point, God promises, you know, to give him all these descendants and to give him a son, and he doesn't trust God. So Sarah and Abraham come up with this plan to have their own baby with Guess what? Sarah's assistant, Hagar. So, he, so Sarah's like, hey, sleep with Hagar, then we can have a son, and maybe that will be our, our child. And so sure enough, they do it, and they give birth to Ishmael, and it's just a disaster. They did not trust God. So here's what I'm saying to you. Abraham had faith, but it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't his perfection that made him right with God. It was his faith in God, and we are in the same boat. We don't connect to God we are not made right with God because we're perfect. We're made right with God because of our faith. So fast forward, Genesis 15. Let's move to Genesis 17, okay? Genesis 17, now we know how much time has passed between Genesis 12 and Genesis 17. It is 24 years. Imagine waiting on a promise from God for 24 years. Some of us can't even wait three months. Heck, some of us can't even wait two weeks. It's like, oh, I'm waiting on God. It's been two weeks. 24 years go by. There's no son. God shows up. He says, hey, my name is El Shaddai, God Almighty. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. I'm gonna, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to make a covenant where it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to make you all these descendants, give you all these descendants. And uh, Abraham, in chapter 17, verse 17, falls on his face in laughter. You look it up. He laughs. You want to know why he laughs? Because he's 99 at this point. See, in Genesis 12, he was 75 years old. He was already an old dude. Now he's 99, and God's like, oh, I'm going to give you this son. It's going to be great. Nation, famous, kids everywhere. He laughs. He says, uh, that's a great idea, God. I hear what you're saying. Uh, but I'm 99 and Sarah's 90. Nine, I don't know if you heard about this, God. My translation, 90-year-old women do not give birth to babies. 
God's like, yeah, I know, I know, heard, heard all about it. She's still going to have a kid. And so here, and so again, he's in this spot. He's in this spot where God is speaking to him and it doesn't make sense. And it's like, if he, if he trusted in his own reasoning, he just throws in the towel and said, forget this. This plan isn't going to work. I don't even have a son. You can't give me a son. There's no way she's going to get pregnant. Against all the odds, even as he kind of laughed and giggled to himself about the situation, he still trusted God. 2,000 years later, Paul would explain it like this in Romans chapter 4. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God has said to him, watch this, that's how many descendants you will have. Look up at the sky. See the stars? That's how many. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Now, I believe that Paul is being kind to Abraham here because I think he did kind of struggle a bit. I think the falling on the face and laughing part kind of indicates that, okay? But Paul's being nice to Abraham. He's saying, oh, he was a stalwart, you know, man of faith. But, okay, whatever. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though about, at about a, it says, at about 100 years of age, he thought that his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. So he's thinking to himself, this is not going to work. This is not, how, I can't, this is impossible. And yet he kept on trusting. Aren't you glad? Yes or no? Aren't you glad that he didn't throw in the towel? See, this is where we struggle. We do. We hear God say something about relationships or money or a job or a friendship. And we hear, we read it. And we're like, I don't see how that's going to work. That's too hard. I give up. I'll take matters into my own hands. We have to learn to trust God and what he says, even when it doesn't all make sense. That's what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. I remember uh, when I was 20, 21, 22, 2021, 20, Jackie and I were dating and I was really trying to do things right with God and my life. And, and I remember studying this out and getting help from other friends. It's like, well, sexuality was for, uh, for, for married couples. It wasn't for dating couples or even engaged couples. And it was really frustrating. That's, that's one of those thoughts where it's like, okay, I hear you. Like, wait until the wedding night, but how's that work out? Because everybody else is, you know, like the whole world is like, you know, going the opposite direction. God says, just trust me. Just trust me. And so I chose to trust him. Jackie, we both chose to trust him. And, and it, we weren't intimate until our wedding night. Can I just tell you that that is the supernatural entering the natural? <laughs> that, is, that is, if you don't believe in God, let me just trust me. This is evidence of God's intervention, that, that he helped us to be sexually pure until our wedding night. God, God can do the impossible. If you just look at what he says and you say, okay, I don't know how that's going to work out. 10% back to the church. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm just going to do I, I'm just going to trust you in it. And so sure enough, a year later, Sarah, this 90-year-old woman, has a baby. A miraculous thing happens. Isaac is born, the son of promise, the son through whom the entire world is going to be blessed. Now, Abraham and Sarah waited 24 years for this to happen. You would think that the testing period was over, right? Like that was a huge test. Not so much. 
God wants to take Abraham's faith a little bit deeper. So he wants to run him through another test. So we went Genesis 12, 15, 17. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 22. God has another test for Abraham. Testing his faith one more time. Listen to what God says to him. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. And here's what I want you to do. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. To which, again, we would hear that and go, what? You want me to do what with my son? Like, I, I don't even know what that means. Like, how, how does that, why would you? See, back in those days, it's a little bit hard for, for us to understand this concept, but back in those days, People would offer sacrifices to their perceived perception of a deity, uh, uh, animals and all kinds of food offerings. Uh, uh, they would offer birds. And so the idea of offering a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God, was not a foreign idea. The idea of offering a human sacrifice, that was the odd idea. To even Abraham. But he understands the concept of sacrifice. And so... What seems to be so odd to us is not so odd to him. God is testing him. And so the next day, it says in Genesis chapter 22 that Abraham gets his son, Isaac, who at this particular time is around 15 or maybe 20. We don't know exactly how old he was, but late teens, early 20s. He grabs his son, they get some wood, they get a knife, and they start to make their way up to Mount Moriah. If you know this story, super quick version of it. I don't have time to tell the whole thing. He, it, they get to the top of the mountain. Uh, uh, Abraham grabs Isaac, ties him up with the rope, puts him on the piece of wood, has him on the burnt offering, grabs the knife, and he's about to kill his son, and he's about to come down, and God intervenes and says, hey, stop, don't touch the boy. Now I know that you trust me. Now I know that you fear me because you have not withheld your one and only son from me. And then the next moment, Abraham sees a ram that's caught in the, in the bushes over there and he unties his son and they go get the ram and they sacrifice the ram and they offer it as a burnt offering to God and they rename that place, God will provide. Powerful, powerful story. The question I have about it is how did he, how did he do that? How did Abraham have enough faith to sacrifice his son? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us, watch this, Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. How? How could, like this would mess the whole plan up. Like the whole plan is to have all these descendants. If you kill Isaac, the whole plan is off. It, it doesn't make sense. How did he do it? Watch, watch this, ready? It's incredible. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Please don't miss this. Because this is what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. When you're reasoning... When you're thinking through what God has asked you to do in regards to a relationship or money or sexuality or with a job or with your, an addiction or whatever, when you're reasoning on what to do about what God has said, you have to include the supernatural. That's what Abraham did. You see, this doesn't make sense without God. But when God's involved, if I kill the boy, God will just bring him back to life. Well, that's how he had the courage to follow through on the command. See, here in your notes, I wrote it like this. 
Abraham trusted in God's miraculous power. He trusted in the unseen reality of God's kingdom on earth. He trusted in the reality that the supernatural would come down and do something incredible and suspend the laws of, that we all live by, whether they be laws of gravity or, or someone who dies. Has God ever brought someone back from the dead? Has he ever done that? Yes or no? Not even death you know, can stop him. This is Abraham. This is what it looks like to have faith. It means that as you're reasoning, include the supernatural miraculous power into your reasoning as you contemplate what God says. And you will find yourself acting in obedience. I love the way Paul sums up this whole argument, this whole series in Romans chapter 4, verse 21. Listen to these powerful words. Abraham You want to know what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight? Abraham was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever, whatever he promises. Are you? Are you half convinced? When God tells you to do something through my voice or through your own personal reading of the scripture or through someone in your small group who's trying to talk to you, When you hear God speak to you, are you fully convinced that he's able to do what he says he will do, what he's promised to do? Tough question. Abraham was. What does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight? You trust what God says. You trust that he's able to do what he said he's going to do. And so you don't wait around for all of the answers and how does that work and God, I need more information before I can do what you say. No, you just do what God says and you trust him to fill in the gaps. Is this making sense? So my question to you today, and it's a simple question, is will you trust him? Will you trust him when it comes to what he says and what he promised? Because really, those are the two things God is communicating to you. He's asking you to do certain things, and he's promising to do certain things. Let me just go through a quick few examples of what I'm talking about in terms of what God has asked you to do. He's asked you to invest in other people. I know people are difficult, and I know people are, t- are tough, but he's asking you to love them and serve them, to love your neighbor as yourself. In John chapter 13, verse 15, Jesus is down on his hands and knees washing his disciples' feet, and then he turns to his disciples and he says, now I want you to do as I have done. I've given you an example. Go and do the same thing. God has asked us to invest in others. God has also asked us to live in sexual purity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. If you have a pen, write some of these verses down. You can look them up later. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will that we should live in holiness and honor, that we should live sexually pure lives. It's that clear. Sex between a husband and a wife in the context of marriage, anything outside of that is not my will for you. Like That's what he's asked of you. It's up to you to trust him in that. What else has he asked? He's asked us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What does that mean? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What does light and darkness have in common? I'm talking about dating relationships and friendships and who are your closest friends. That's what he's asked of you to do. He's asked you to return 10% to the local church so that the local church can continue to take the gospel to the entire world. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring the tithes into the storehouse. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of your wealth, and your barns will be filled, and you'll, be, you'll have plenty. We just choose to trust that. Years ago, Jackie and I, we came across this 20 years ago, and we we're like, man, God, I hear you. But 10%, we got three little kids. 
We got a mortgage payment. We got a car payment. Are you sure that's going to, how's that going to work out? Here's what God said to me. Trust me. Trust me. And so we trusted God, God 21 years ago. We started giving 10% of our income to Emmanuel Church and, ab- and even be, be, be above that. And God has never failed to take care of us for the last one. We are more than blessed in our lives. We just say, okay, I don't know how it's going to work, but we are going to do it because you say to do it. What about speaking truth? God has asked you in Ephesians 4.29, it simply says this, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying or lifting up, that it may administer grace to the hearers. Ephesians 4.29, this is so hard. The other day I was at a drive-thru. I won't mention the name of the store, uh, a place I was at, but we were running late. We were going to see a movie. My daughter and I, it was actually Friday night. Uh, we were going up to see uh, uh, the Karate Kid. It's fun with some friends. And we were running late. And so we go through the drive-thru. And there's like 10 cars deep, man. So you got to wait 20 minutes just to order your food. So we get up there. We order the food. And we get to the window. And they, they hand me the wrong, the wrong food. But I didn't realize it at first. I was just like, man, this is kind of heavy. So we pull up, and we're about ready to turn onto the main road there, and I open the package, and it's it's like, I said, honey, this is not our food, so we got to go back. So I put it in reverse, but the the drive-thru is only one one lane. And so uh, I go back, and I open the car door, because I can't get all the way back, because the next car is already pulled up, and I take this food back to the window, and I said, hey, you know, this is not my food. And, And the guy in the car says, oh, that's mine. I said, great. You know, this is awesome. Here, they had to check it out, so they gave it to the guy. I said, hey, you know what? Let me pull up uh, and get out of your way so that you can go and I don't hold the line up. I was trying to be a nice guy. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor, right? So it's no problem. I'll move, you know. I've got, we got to get to a movie, so I'll just go back. So I, get, I park, and my daughter's in the car, Emmanuel sticker on the back of the car. So, we, so I go back. I go back to the, I go back to the, 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 the drive-thru window. I didn't know it was a sin, I didn't know it was a sin to walk up to a drive-thru window. I, I, I was unaware. So, so this is a no-no. So I go, I, I go back up and I get this look. I say, hey, uh, I need my food. You know, uh, we don't, I, I, I paid for it. I gave you cash. It was like 20 bucks. You know, we, we exchanged dollars. Uh, she, said, she said to me in a very odd way, I can't give you your food. I said, why is that? I already bought it. You know, and I'm thinking through, speak life, speak life. Speak life, encourage, pastor, you know, Emmanuel sticker. I said, why can't I have my food? Well, I can't. Here's what she said. I'm telling you, I think aliens have sucked the brains out of some people's heads. I swear to you. I swear to you. They are here somewhere. She said, I can't give you food through the window. And I looked at what she was doing. She was giving food through the window. I said, okay, okay. How about you just give me my money back? I can't give you money through the window. I said, okay. What am I going to do? I can't, I can't just leave. You got my money. You didn't give me any food. And I'm having a conversation. I'm trying to have a rational conversation and speak life. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next car pulls up and he's frustrated. There's two people in there and they just open the window and they just unload on me. And they go, here's what the guy says. He goes, hey, this lady's trying to do her effing job. And this is our effing lunch hour. Why don't you get the F out of the way? To which I look at him. <laughs> and I'm, sho- I'm in shock that I've just been cussed out right here. 
in the Taco Bell drive-thru line. Did I just say that? Now, now remember, when you get cussed out, it's hard to respond with, with, with life, with life, really hard. And so I quickly went through my options of, what am I going to say to this guy? Um, because I don't cuss, first of all, and, and I'm, I'm not a mean guy, so I can't, I can't disrespect, and, I, and I, I can't rip his face off, which I really wanted to do that. So I had no options, no good options there. So I just said, I have to ignore your face. <laughs> and I turned back to the lady in the drive-thru. I said, please help me. I don't understand. What should I do? She said, you're going to have to get back in line. And that was my only option. And so because I had nothing good to say, I said nothing. And I just got back and waited in the 10 cars and another 20 minutes and I ordered my food again, and they gave it to me, and we made it to the movie. Story over. But here's my point. Here's my point. Here's my point. It is hard. It is hard. It is hard. This is not easy to speak life. This is not easy to do what God says, because every day we're faced with struggle. But we got, we got to trust. We got to trust. God has told us to meditate on his word. He's told us to, to get in there. He's told us. He's given us so many promises in the word of God. Let me just go through a few of these promises. We've got to choose to believe these or not. But he says, I will provide. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Write that down. I will, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's promised that all things will work together for the good of those who love God. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. He's promised that he will be with you. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why do I have these verses in my head. I'm telling you because they are things that God has promised me and I think about them and I bank on them and I trust them as much as I possibly can. What else has God said? He's promised to answer your prayers. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened unto you. That is a simple promise that God has given us. He's promised to give us strength. My, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's a promise. So wait on him. Trust him. He's promised to give us peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused on you, who stayed on you. Why? Because he or she trusts in you. He's promised to guide us. I count on this every day of my life. Uh, Psalm chapter 32, verse 8 says, I will teach you and I will instruct you and I will guide your life. I say, God, guide me. Show me. Lead me. See, it's my choice to trust these promises. It's my choice to trust what God says when he gives me a directive. Can we go back to our question? Our question for today and our question to wrap up this series is, will you trust him? Are you fully convinced that God is able to do what he says? Are you fully convinced that God is able to fulfill his promise? I've done my very, very best to try to articulate what it means to walk by faith, not by sight, over the last couple of weeks. Does it mean more things? Absolutely it does. I've tried to give you the core ideas of what it means. Will you focus your life on the right things? Things that are unseen and that will last forever. Will you make it the aim of your life to please God, the ambition of your life to bring a smile to his face? Will you choose to trust what he says to do. Now the ball is in your court. The ball is in my court. 
when you're in a drive-through window, whether you're at home with your kids, whether you're at a basketball game cheering on your kids when COVID's over, <laughs> you know, will you, choose, will you choose to trust? Will you choose to walk by faith and not by sight? My hope is that you will. As we wrap up today, I wanna, say, I wanna point to something that Paul said in Romans chapter four. And this is rooted in what was written about Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, that Abraham chose to believe God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul takes that idea, brings it to Romans chapter, the fourth chapter of Romans. This is what he says. So the promise of eternal life, that's the implication. The promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ is received, not by works, not by being a good person, not by coming to church and keeping the law, not by getting baptized. No, the promise is received by faith. What is faith? Confidence in God. It is given as a free gift. If you had to earn it, if you had to work for it, it's not free. It's free, it's grace. It comes by faith. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like who? Abraham. He's the father of all who have faith. Abraham chose to trust God when it didn't make all sense. When there was information lacking, when he didn't know where he was going, when he didn't understand how his son, how he could kill his son, when, it didn't, when, it, how, when he didn't have a son, he chose to trust God. Will you trust God today? Here's what God has said to you. I love you. I've given my son for you. He's died on the cross for you. Three days later, I, I brought him back to life so that you can have fellowship with me so you can be forgiven of your sins. Will you trust what God has done for you? Will you trust what he has said, that he loves you? I'm gonna say a simple prayer, it's a prayer of faith. Take these words and turn them into your own prayer and reach out to God right now and ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and to make you his child and he will answer that prayer today. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I believe I trust that you died on the cross, that you gave your life for me, that you paid the penalty I could not pay. I place my confidence in you. Wash me of my sin, cleanse me. Make me as white as snow. Be my savior today. As I trust you. From this day forward, teach me to walk by faith and not by sight. Teach me to trust what you say. Help me to become fully convinced that you are able to do all that you have said and all that you have promised. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, church? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to celebrate with you. We put together a sort of a starter box. We call it our saved box. In this box, there is a New Testament. There's some instructions on how to get connected to the church. There's a free coffee cup in here just to say congratulations. If you prayed that prayer, you can text the word SAVE to 65248 and we will get one of these to you in the mail ASAP. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen? Yeah.